the City Quick Connect podcast is brought to you by the Municipal Association of South Carolina. Hey everybody, this is Casey Fields. I'm the manager for municipal advocacy at the Municipal Association of South Carolina. And in this week's podcast, we're talking business license standardization. We have been hosting regional advocacy meetings over the last month, and tomorrow is actually our last one in Lexington. At every regional advocacy meeting, we have talked about business license standardization from every aspect of the topic. And today, I am very excited to have my colleagues, our team members here, Scott, Tiger, and Melissa, to talk about business license standardization. So before we get into the technical aspects of it, Tiger, will you give us a sense of why? What is the purpose of standardizing business licensing and why is it important right now? Sure. It's it's all about, well, a lot of it is about stealing the thunder uh, from what some folks are trying to do to the business license tax over in the legislature. Uh, House Bill 4431 was filed towards the end of the legislative session of the 2019 legislative session, and it makes some pretty significant uh, and, and bad changes to uh, the way business license tax is actually handled. Really bad. Really bad. Really, really bad. Um, and so I, I guess we'll probably get into exactly how bad it is later right. on, but a lot of the, by adopting uh, many of the standardization uh, steps, voluntary standardization steps, you can can um, can steal some of that thunder and make it less likely that they'll be successful in their effort. So, Scott, go over a couple of the steps. Then I know Melissa's going to jump in on um, the ordinance, but go ahead and what, what are the steps in standardizing? First of all, it's great to see you, Casey. It's great to see you uh, as well. Happy, I haven't spent here, three talking, weeks in the car with you for three days every day. Yeah, yeah it's, mm-hmm. a, it's, it's a great pleasure <laughs> right. to be here. <laughs> The standardized business license application. How yes. about that? That was a form that the uh, Business Licensing Officials Association uh, developed a couple of years ago in a, in a first step, one of the first steps uh, that cities and towns took to make business license ordinance compliance easier for business. So um, when you've got almost 220 cities and towns across the state that levy a business license tax, they each require their own application form uh, when a business comes to apply for a business license, that's a pain in the fanny. Uh, That's a hassle that uh, can be eliminated by using a common form that the business licensing officials developed. It's on our website. It's called the Standardized Business License Application, and over 100 cities and towns have agreed to accept it if a business presents that application to them. And All it is is a form that has common information on it that all business license officials across the state can use and and would look for from a business whenever they want to apply for a business license. And so a a business fills out the the business-specific information like their name, their tax ID number, their address, those kinds of things. They can make multiple copies of it. And then when they go into a new jurisdiction somewhere, a new city or a town, where they've not done business before. Or county. Or county, for any of the nine counties, as a matter of fact. And uh, they can fill out the job-specific information in that particular jurisdiction, present that standardized application to the business license official, and go on their way. It's a small time saver. It's a small hassle factor eliminator. But 
nonetheless, it's a step in the right direction that we took a number of years ago. Did you mention that you can find the list of cities that accept the standard application at www? If you go to www.masc.sc. That's one too many W's, I No, it's just www. If you go to that website, our website, and in the search box, if you type in standardized application, you'll find several choices there for that you can click on. One of those is the application itself. One of those is the uh, list of cities and towns across the state that accept the application. But I'll bet, even if a business goes into a city or a town that is not listed on our list and they present that application to them, they, would accept they it. will probably accept it. Mm-hmm. All right, so we've got the standard application, and that's really going to help the businesses that operate in more than one. Like what, like what you said, what's the next step? What do, what else can cities do to make themselves more business friendly? I'll let Melissa talk about how the changes, changes needed to people's, to cities, existing business license ordinance to get them compliant for standardization, uh, the, the standardization that we're talking about. Okay. So. The most simple way is to adopt the model ordinance, the most ver- current version of the model ordinance that is on our website. And that we- web address is? www.masc.se. Okay, thank you. Keyword, okay. model business license ordinance. Thank you once again, Scott, for that very <laughs> um, energetic <laughs> website address. So if you adopt the model ordinance, embedded in there are the next uh, things that need to be standardized. First off is the due date. April 30th is the due date, and May 1st begins penalty date. The next thing is the standard 12-month period of which to calculate the gross income. The best way is to do the uh, the calendar year, but if a corporation in particular has a different corporate year, you can accept that as well. The next thing, which is very critically important to cities, is the definition of gross income. That definition, the more consistent that definition becomes across jurisdictions, the easier it is to um, interpret and to administer because it'll be the same from jurisdiction to jurisdiction. And if your city is not under this standard uh, definition, you may have a few problems on your hands or could potential problems. The next thing is that the class schedule that is part of that ordinance needs to be updated. The whole reason that this methodology works for cities and towns and for businesses is because the methodology is based on a business's ability to make a profit through the IRS statistics. And that has to be kept up to date or else you are no longer in a fair and rational methodology in the sense of you're not current. So cities need to be good stewards of the business for the business community and update this model ordinance, both and the class schedule. So the class schedule needs to be changed to reflect the fact that the fax machine manufacturer today is not as profitable as it was 20 years ago, right? Does anybody still sell a fax machine? I don't even know what a fax is. Doctors used to be a very high profit margin business, but now the medical industry has gone to contracts through Medicare, Medicaid, and insurance companies. And then you have lots of businesses that ebb and flow depending upon the current state of the economy. And then you have things, as we've already mentioned, like, you know, fax fax machines, but I was thinking like, you know, buggy, horse uh, horse and buggies, you know. The reason this is important, of course, (laughs) is because 
as those businesses are no longer as profitable as they once were, if you have them in a in a rate class that requires them to pay more than they probably should because of their changing profit profitability, that presents a problem. It is, and I, we, we jumped right into uh, calling it a class schedule and didn't even explain the fact that the class schedule is nothing more than it breaks businesses up into eight classifications, the f- class one being the least profitable, class seven is the most profitable, and class eight are some catch-all situations that are pertinent or under state law, pertinent to uh, your town or under state law have to be treated differently, but it's it's not something that's complicated. So what do what you know, what do we need to do to change our business license ordinance to comply? Maybe maybe a council doesn't want to amend their class schedule. Maybe it's okay, but these the, some of these other things like changing the due date, changing the definition of gross, what do they need to do to to accomplish that? As I said, the easiest way is just to get with your uh, town attorney and adopt the class schedule and amend it to make it pertinent to your community. Um, If your council is opposed to doing the whole ordinance, you can certainly amend your current ordinance with those, but I would recommend that you use the current model ordinance. I've heard of this thing called sick codes, sick codes. You're showing your age now, Scott. Codes. What is that all about? Sick or SIC standard identification classification standard industrial or what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't exist anymore. (laughs) It hadn't existed since the eighties, by the way. So if you're using that, you are way out of date. Tiger, you and I were in elementary school. Yes. Um, anyway, NAICS codes, as most people refer to it, are N-A-I-S-C. N-A-I-C-S. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Scott. North American Industrial Classification System. And this system is for Mexico, Canada, and the U.S. And it's all IRS forms have to have a business's NAICS code on it. So it is not something that is a secret to anyone in the in the business world. Yeah, depending on the industry. It's it's based off your industry. Right. It's a six digit. The old SIC was a four digit. This is a six digit code. And the more digits you put to the right is the more specific you are um, isolating that industry. So you could go to farming and agriculture or you can go all the way down to soybean, the type of soybean farming that you are um engaged in doing and so what we've seen over the years is there uh, even recently there are some cities and towns who are still using the sic codes rather than the that's NA- a giant no-no i agree that's in that if if your business license ordinance is still relying on those sic codes then you need to contact us you need to contact your town attorney uh, so that we can start moving you towards a more modern system because you are really out of date. Let me let me ask this question of all three of y'all. I mean, this, I know, Melissa, you said it isn't complicated, but it sure does sound complicated. It doesn't sound like that there are a lot of people throughout the state that really know, other than business license professionals in our cities and towns, it doesn't really sound like there are a lot of people that know about this. Could people call us and we could walk them through Absolutely. This, we Tiger, can. it sounds like, Melissa, I know you're um, available to help with model ordinances. And I, I, cities have hired me in the past. It's a nominal fee by the city. 
and we will convert them to the new model. We will put them onto the new class schedule, and we will redo their rate schedule to accommodate a revenue-neutral transition. But there are many folks in the building that can help walk you through the process if you don't want to go through this formal um, hiring of us. And your field service manager, Charlie Barano and Jeff Shacker, can also assist you. So why, why is it that this is kind of what everybody wants to reform all of a sudden? Like this is the, the shiny new toy that everybody's going after. I don't, I don't well, quite all, understand. First it's not the new shiny toy. This toy has been revamped <laughs> multiple right. times. But Tiger, tell me why, why all of a sudden the focus on business license taxes? I think because so much work has already been done voluntarily by right. municipalities and so much work and so much um, money, quite frankly, has even been invested in, you know, making real what municipalities want to do. And that is decrease the burden that business right. license tax and the process actually represents. And so since so much has been done over the years and so much is about to come online mm-hmm. with regard to the business license taxes, I think you got a lot of folks that want to you know, tag on to that and, and, right. and make it seem like they had something to do with that. And why, why, and everybody kind of chime in, I know that cities and towns rely pretty heavily, heavily on business license tax revenue. Why has that come to pass? Business license tax on average for cities and towns across the state represents between 25 and 50% of a city's general fund revenue. And There is a statistic that's floating about being proffered by a prominent business group here in in the state that says that business license taxes have grown by 50% over the last 10 years. And that may be true in, in isolated cases in cities and towns, but the reason for that is because business license tax is is the only general fund revenue source that city councils and town councils maintain control over and they've had to raise their business license taxes or find new business license tax revenue because of the problems that are associated with the restrictions on property tax millage increases on the restrictive nature of uh, other taxes like accommodations and hospitality tax there's no very little flexibility built into those and so the three-legged stool Two of the, a couple of the legs have gotten shorter over the years, and so in order to rebalance that stool, cities have had to rely more and more on business license taxes. And I can tell you from my own personal experience as a city manager that if I could have found some way to replace the business license tax with another more fair and broad uh, revenue source, then I would probably search that out. But currently, we don't have that option. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would also offer that the reason why the business license tax is growing is because businesses are being are profitable. Well, that's and right. making money. Yeah. yeah. And since it's based off of gross income, the more income you are making, the higher the tax will right. be. And, and which skews that number, which skews that 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 fifty percent growth number because as you know that's one of the few taxes that cities and and counties levy that have been growing over time well also if you do a 10-year mark from this year that would have been at the bottom of the barrel Mm -hmm. for the recession that's right so you have to put things in context Mm -hmm. and while it does sound dramatic as the increase that's a wonderful problem for businesses to have and by the way the business is locating in a downtown area for a reason. This is where your concentration of population and your foot traffic occurs. 
Not to mention the benefits of living in the city with Mm -hmm. fire, police, Well, you have very much um, infrastructure. Your response time for public safety is Mm -hmm. is significantly decreased because of the the proximity between outposts. But the second thing is, is you wouldn't wouldn't locate somewhere unless you know you're going to make some money. Mm -hmm. And if you're not going to be able to be a good businessman, you shouldn't be in, you should not be a businessman. So that kind of defeats the argument in my But for the last, I mean, y'all, what would you say? I mean, five years cities have been working toward, is five years fair? I'd say more than that. More than five years? The the front lines folks have been training and working on best practices and trying to go from the old school administrative frontline person to a much more business-friendly, one-stop shop scenario. So I give a lot of credit to the the folks that are out there doing this every day on the front lines. Yeah, we've been we've been training to the business licensing officials association for the last number of years to say, "Hey, be a customer and walk in your front door." Right. And go through the process to obtain a business license, to get a building permit, whatever. Find the problems there, fix those problems and make it easier for anybody to do business. The last thing a city or a town wants to do is to to present obstacles to potential business owners who want to invest in a particular community. But things sometimes have to be difficult because of state regulations, because of state mandates. And so to the extent that cities and towns can make doing business easier, they are making that effort. And if, and if they're not, then, you know, they need to, those business owners need to talk to their council members uh, and their elected officials locally, not at the state level, but locally first and diagnose problems and make suggestions for how it could be easier. And it's more of, it's not us against them, it's a we. And Tiger, you've run into that before with businesses working with their city to to make it better. Yeah, I mean, that's a perfect point. As as Scott was making that that point, my ears really perked up because that's how it's supposed to work, right? Right. What we've seen in, in Mount Pleasant, Mount Pleasant Pass, uh, an ordinance. They had a local business that thought they might have some problems with the language. That business actually reached out to the local officials and nice. said, we think this might be a problem. They were open, welcomed them in with open arms, said, yes, let's talk through this. We mm-hmm. think you're misunderstanding it. They worked to, towards a solution. That's how it's supposed to happen, not this whole, oh, I think they're doing something on the local level that I don't like, and so I'm not going to talk to them I'm going to go straight to Columbia right. and see if I can take away their authority. That's not the way it should work. And in fact, we here at the Municipal Association have worked with a couple of different small business owners as we've been working through the issues related to these bills that have been introduced over the last couple of years. Uh, and how can we address your issues that are being manifested in, in these bills? And I'll, I'll point out, during the course of the nine regional advocacy meetings that we've already conducted, we've asked the question of those of the attendees there, all the municipal officials, raise your hand if your local chamber of commerce has come to you with complaints about the business license. And of the nine, there have been two hands raised out of the close to 300. Two? I thought it was only one. Two hands (laughs) have been raised. I'm going to give them credit. Two hands have been raised among the almost 300 municipal officials who have attended our regional advocacy meeting so far. So if if the local chambers who are representative of the the local businesses are not citing business license 
as a top priority for them, then uh, I'm not quite sure why it's a top priority for some legislators and other business groups around the state. But I'm also going to point out, just to at least acknowledge, sometimes there's confusion in the construction world in particular, is the permitting side and then the business licensing side. And those are very distinct situations, but they get merged under one, unfortunately, for the city. And Permit, the permitting process can be painful because you have to go through a lot of hoops mm-hmm. to meet all of the restrictions and regulations that the citizens have required mm-hmm. upon councils to make Absolutely. or the state has made. So as city folks, we need to remember that hassle factor and be cognizant of that and patient and try to streamline anything we can or at least make sure as they are going through this pain that we empathize and explain the situation but whenever you hear someone discussing the problems with a business license make sure it's business license Mm -hmm. and it's not the permitting side or the zoning side or some of these others because those are in place for a whole different reason oh i can tell you business license tax since we've been working with the building officials association of south carolina i have gotten uh, a a great amount of respect for the myriad number of building codes that that the General Assembly requires be complied with by all manner of construction and electrical, plumbing, fire, you name it. Uh, There's a building code that covers it. And of course, there are reasons for building codes, but it is very, very daunting for someone who isn't immersed in that industry to understand how to comply and it and, and that you're right Melissa it often gets permitting compliance or or b- building code compliance gets confused with business licensing compliance and people equate the two because they are tied together oftentimes in cities and towns you you have to you can't get one without the other or vice versa so and that's uh, done actually for your for the business's protection absolutely because you wouldn't want to get a business license and find out that you're oh you've paid the tax but yet your building is too close to a school or church Mm -hmm. or that you can't build that facility there, or you have to do a certain, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, set off amount of feet or or whatever the case may be. And that's why so many cities have gone to a one-stop shop. I mean, I think about the town of Lexington, the city of North Charleston, you walk into their Rock Hill, Rock Hill, Mm -hmm. you walk into their permitting and license office and you can get everything taken care of at that one spot. But it may take several stages. Of course. And and, and that's why their staffs are very willing and eager to meet with uh, construction folks in, in particular in advance of them starting the approval process to say, okay, here's here are the steps and the requirements that you need to comply with going forward, allows them to go back home, make those preparations, come back, and then have their forms ready to go. We have talked about a lot. We've talked about everything from the bill that is in the House yeah. LCI committee that makes some drastic changes. We've talked about how to standardize, why to standardize, I want each of you to give me a bottom line on business licensing out of all of this discussion. And it has been going on for a long time. Some of it is rhetoric. Some of it is real. um, And we are working toward the real Mm -hmm. to make this easier for businesses and for it to work for cities. Melissa, what what is your bottom line? For me, the bottom line is, is if you don't clean up your own house, your house will be cleaned up for you. And you may not like the way they put everything back. Like how they fold the towels. That is correct. Right. 
Frankly, if you're going to fold my towels, I don't care how you right, fold right. them. But <laughs> if you're going to put it up, then I'm not going to argue with but, you. But, you know, it, if you don't walk in the shoes of the businesses to find these issues and to find these problems, or if you put your head in the sand and say, nope, I don't want to deal with this because it's painful or it's a pain, you know, it, it's going to take time or it's just going to be aggravating, then you're going to have some um, some rude awakenings and some things are going to be done that, that we're not going to like. Mm-hmm. So let's let's do this together. Let's do this the right way. And at the end of the day, this is the right thing to do for businesses. We mm-hmm. want to be the good guy in economic development in our downtown. Removing the hassle, but not this bill necessarily. Yes. No no bill, but we can do this ourselves. Right. And let's show them how good how good of stewards we are. Melissa, that was like nine bottom lines. All right, Tiger, <laughs> your uh, bottom line. Yeah. Streamlining and simplification. You know, that that's what it's all about here, whether it's the model business license ordinance, whether it's the standardized application, uh, whether it's the portal mm-hmm. uh, renewal portal that's being developed. Municipalities have clearly shown that it is their desire to ease the burden on businesses. So don't don't, you know, buy into the uh, the idea that it's somehow municipalities versus businesses it's municipalities standing alongside and listening to businesses and then trying to make the process easier perfect scott your bottom line yeah the bottom line for me i'll echo the same thing that uh, melissa and tiger have said and and as it pertains to house bill 4431 the standardization pieces that are in that bill uh, are being are being undertaken by cities and towns voluntarily but you know if if we go forward and uh, some component of that needs to be codified, then I, I think that that's something we should consider. But the other half of that bill, uh, the bottom line for me is trying to find a replacement for 300 plus million dollars in municipal revenue across the state that would be decimated by some of the provisions that are in it. That bottom line for me, replacing that revenue and the services that are sustained by that revenue that businesses depend on for for helping them do uh, do business in a city that's a tough thing for me to wrap my head around like we've said we've traveled all over the state we have crisscrossed the state over the last month and we have been in businesses in our downtowns we have been into bakeries i have been into one too many i bought some earrings but we have we have worked with local caterers we are interacting with businesses we are looking we are watching and we are helping well and to that point i'll tell you casey having seen the revitalization that's taken place in so many of the downtown small town downtowns that we've been in if the business license tax were as big an obstacle as it's being out to be made by some groups then I dare say we wouldn't see the wonderful things that are taking place in these downtowns in terms of private business. And certainly they came after, many of them have come after significant public investment by their cities in infrastructure Mm -hmm. and placemaking. And so, you know, this is, I think we have more important things that we could tackle and and reform going forward besides this particular tax. That's right. Y'all, thank you for joining us today. This is such an important topic. We probably should do more of this, uh, more discussions about business licensing as we move forward, as we go into the 2020 session. So keep listening to the podcast. Make sure you follow the legislative team on Twitter. They still tweet, um, even though we're not in session. They've been tweeting from the regional advocacy meetings. And be sure to keep listening. Thank you. 
The City Quick Connect podcast is one of several ways the Municipal Association keeps you informed of the opportunities and issues impacting South Carolina cities and towns. Learn more at www.masc.sc and stay up to date with the association's latest happenings on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.